God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for those four passages of Scripture uh, that we have uh, listened to, considered. And uh, God, we do ask that you would help us to respond appropriately. We thank you that uh, you have come to us, and we ask that you would help us uh, to receive you well this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Waiting is hard. Um, Last weekend, Lauren was out of town with two of our four kids, and I had the other two. We decided on Sunday afternoon to pass the time by doing some exploring in Brackenridge Park. Um, Close to the playground there, there's a footbridge that crosses the San Antonio River. And when we crossed it, Theo excitedly shouted, Oh, let's play poo sticks. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll explain. Uh, In case it's been a while since you've uh, read the classic A.A. Milne Winnie the Pooh series, um, Poo Sticks is a game uh, which involves dropping two or more sticks into the river upstream and then going to the other side of the bridge to see which of those sticks crosses under first. It's a race of sorts. I don't know when the last time you were in Brackenridge Park was, but as I looked at the water, I said, Theo... I'm really not sure it's moving, bud. (laughs) He pointed to a leaf that was inching ever so slowly (laughs) down the river, and he said, look. And I said, okay, let's give it a shot. He took a stick, he dropped it into the river, and we hurried to the other side. And the waiting began. We knew for sure that the stick would arrive, but we had no idea how long it was going to take. Theo and I began counting to pass the time. One, two, three, 101, 102, 103. And as we waited, I was reminded of Advent, a season that invites us to wait on the coming of the Lord with eager anticipation. I could see as time was passing that Theo's original excitement was beginning to wane, and I found myself increasingly distracted. In fact, it was quite surprising how many distractions there were on a, sun, on a lazy Sunday afternoon in Brackenridge Park. Quite literally, we were passed by a parade of classic hot rods and motorcycles. Not once, but twice. <laughs> During the 143 seconds that we waited for that stick to go 15 feet downstream. As they revved their engines and honked their horns, I found my eyes wandering away from that part of the bridge where the stick would soon emerge. Waiting is hard. And that's why we need Advent. Um, During this season of Advent, it's our custom here at Grace to read through uh, passages from the lectionary. Uh, A lectionary is uh, essentially a a Bible reading plan, which groups together different readings from different parts of Scripture for different times of the year. Uh, Most times, we read and preach through two or three of these, but during this particular season of Advent, we've decided to read all four and to give a sermon ito, um, sort of a shorter-than-usual sermon. Um, So I should get to it. Um, Today's passages answer three 
related questions. You'll see them on the screen. First, what are we waiting for? Um, Both of our Old Testament passages do a great job of answering this. Second, why must we wait? Uh, Peter gives us a very helpful response in uh, in the passage from his uh, epistle. And finally, how should we wait? So our passages from the Old Testament articulate very well what it is that we're waiting for. And in them, we see two common experiences of reality that seem to transcend both time and cultural context. Some people live their lives painfully aware of their need for God, particularly as it relates to God's forgiveness for their own sin. Uh, They long for God to come to restore the brokenness that they find in themselves and in the world that surrounds them. And we see this especially in Psalm 85. Listen to it again. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. So that's one way of experiencing the world. Um, We see a different one uh, implicitly in Isaiah chapter 40. Many people have a sense of self-sufficiency. They have little or no awareness for the need that they have for God. If we're not careful, we can be fooled into thinking that our intelligence, wealth, strength, good looks, social capital, etc., etc., will last forever. But Isaiah's words provide us with a sober assessment of how things really are. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. And so this morning, um, regardless of which lens, the the one uh, which recognizes your need for God or the one that maybe feels a little bit secure, whichever lens you look at things with this morning, the reality is twofold. First, we desperately need God to come to restore all things in us and in the world. And second, he will. That's the good news. Um, We see uh, two pictures of what it looks like for the Lord to come in our Old Testament passages. I'm going to read them back to back, first from Isaiah and then from Psalm 85. Behold, your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend the flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This time from the message, Psalm 85 says, Love and truth meet in the street. Right living and whole living embrace and kiss. Truth sprouts green from the ground. 
Right living pours down from the skies. Oh, yes, God gives goodness and beauty. Our land responds with bounty and blessing. Right living strides out before him and clears a path for his passage. Um, these passages serve to, uh, these passages help us remember what it is we're waiting for. And they provide us both encouragement and a warning at the same time. The Lord will come, but he will come with both might and tenderness. This is good news to all those who put their trust in him and walk according to his ways. At the same time, it's a frightening proposition to those who stand in opposition to God and his ways. And so we ought to respond carefully. Um, As we wait for God's coming, it's only natural that we ask those timeless questions. Are we there yet? Why is it taking so long? Our reading from 2 Peter uh, does a great job of answering the question of why we must wait head on. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. God's delay is an act of mercy. He's buying time for all those who have not yet heard and responded to the gospel. And he's giving us time, those of us who have said yes to the good news of Jesus, that we might conform our lives to his. Peter goes on to give us a picture of how it is that we ought to wait. We see this in verses uh, 14 and 15. Therefore, beloved... Since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Um, You may have caught it. You may not have. Peter goes on shortly after this to uh, mention that some of the writings of Paul are difficult to understand. Um, if you were journeying with us uh, in the summer and the fall when we read through 1 Corinthians, uh, it's nice to know that Peter also had some trouble uh, as he read Paul. Um, however, he asserts that the, the truth that Paul points to is important, um, that some have twisted his words, but that we must hold on to the true gospel. He writes this, But you, friends, are well warned. Be on guard lest you lose your footing and get swept off your feet by these lawless and loose-talking teachers. Grow in grace and understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Peter is inviting us to live morally upright lives, to be peacemakers in a, a world that is broken, and to hold on to the faith handed down. Our gospel passage from Mark gives us further insight into how to wait. John the Baptist prepared people for Christ's first coming by calling them to repentance. So too, we ought to spend time reflecting on the things uh, that we need to confess to the Lord, asking him for help to amend our lives. 
But living this way, um, all the things from Second uh, Peter and from the example of John the Baptist, it's, it's not easy to do. And the reality is we can't do it on our own. This is something that John the Baptist reminds us of right at the end of that gospel passage. Listen to it again, this time from the message. As he preached, he said, the real action comes next. The star of the drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. I am baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. His baptism, a baptism by the Holy Spirit, will change you from the inside out. Um, We can only live and believe rightly by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We need God to transform us in the ways that we could never change on our own. And so this morning, the invitation is to reflect on that, to ask God, Lord, where are you inviting me into new life, into new hope as I wait for your coming? Um, I'd like to conclude um, by sharing a, a reflection from a book that I've started reading this week. It's entitled Advent. It's a good title. (laughs) It's written by Tish Harrison Warren. Uh, She's an Anglican priest uh, just up the street in Austin. Um, And in the final paragraph of the the first chapter, she articulates beautifully uh, my experience waiting in Brackenridge Park uh, and also my experience as I wait for the Lord. Um, She writes uh, this. I often forget how to wait on the Lord. I begin to believe that I am the master and maker of my own life. I begin to believe that joy is self-made through my own ingenuity and hard work. I begin to believe that the things I long for most are within my grasp if I can only master the mad task of controlling my own life. I begin to believe that I am the engineer of my own deliverance. And into these fevered deceptions, Advent comes each year and quietly asks me to pause, to remember that we do not bring the kingdom of God to the world through our own effort or on our own timeline. We wait one, wait for one outside of us, outside of time. We wait for the coming Waiting is hard. But God has given us seasons like Advent to help us recognize the dependence we have on him and to prepare ourselves for his coming with his help. As we gather, pray, read scripture, fast and give generously, God is faithful to clear away distractions, to sustain our hope and to draw us to himself. So, let's press into this, in this season of Advent. Let's learn to wait well.